less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, before we get to our guest for the day, head on over to lpgeorgia.com to learn more about the Libertarian Party of Georgia. If you don't live in Georgia, head to lp.org um, to learn about our national party and uh, what we're doing to spread liberty in each state, and you can find your state affiliate from that website. Um but if you live in the state of Georgia, you can see, you can do a whole bunch of research on our website. You can take the world's smallest political quiz to tell you where exactly you are on this political spectrum. Um, believe it or not, it's not just left or right. There's a whole bunch of different positions. <laughs> um, you can see some of our ads, our blog. Uh, you can look at the like our platform, headlines, affiliates, bylaws, what is a libertarian? You can get involved. There's events. Um, you can register to vote through our website. Uh, you can do a blog submission if you have stuff you want to say. If you have things that are happening in your local community that you want to get out there on the internet and um, write an article about, you can absolutely do that. Um, we have this new thing called Liberty Watch, where our very own Brian Allen um, is taking time to basically tell you what's happening in the legislature um, at any given moment. And so if you sign up for this email list, you will get very detailed, fantastic emails about what's happening. You'll be able to um, help with things like uh, defend the guard, which is what's happening right now. We're trying to get um, some state reps to sponsor the bill for defend the guard which basically means that georgia would no longer send our national guard troops overseas to fight um that would be strictly for um the the national military and not georgia national guard so that's a big thing it's happening tomorrow there's a hearing um downtown um i believe shane hazel will be speaking and if I'm available, I'm going to be going to that as well. So um, head on over to our website, learn a lot. Um, reach out to us if you have any questions. We're always happy to talk. If you want to help in any way, please uh, give us a shout. You can go to Twitter as well, LP, at LP Georgia. And you can go to our new Instagram page, which is just Libertarian Party of Georgia. Super simple. Um, all right. Well, last week I talked about how I want to focus on three things for 2024, Bitcoin, education, and healthcare. And this week is going to be all about Bitcoin. Um, one of my friends, Brett Newton, who is not political in any real way. He, uh, he's a filmmaker, a filmmaker and an actor based here in Atlanta. And uh, he got on the road to Bitcoin um, a few years ago. And I feel like it's, I like displaying people's stories um, of people who aren't in politics and who aren't paying attention to things like the Fed and don't know what Austrian, um, Austrian economics is. 
um, and just kind of showing how they got to the point where they think Bitcoin is the most secure thing to put your money into. So, um, yeah, without further ado, let's go talk to Mr. Brett Newton. All right, Mr. Brett Newton, welcome to the Free Georgia podcast, brother. Hey, yeah. thanks, man. Yeah, man. How you doing today? Uh, good. Working like crazy. My mind is boggling and just multiple fires burning. Well, thank you for coming on the show while uh, your house burns down. That's very nice of you. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> for being so concerned about my life. I'm super <laughs> concerned um, in that in the way that it, how it affects my life, but nothing else. Um, Brett, tell folks what you do. And uh, yeah, tell folks what you do. So I uh, I work in the entertainment industry from in front of the camera and behind the camera. Um, I'm an actor in the Screen Actors Guild since 2010. Um, I'm a producer. I've had my own production company for the past 13 years. Um, so I started uh, I started acting in music in theater when I was a kid in New Jersey, but then I moved to LA and started professionally acting and working in TV and film in 2003. Um, that's where I started my production company. That's where I became a SAG, uh, part of the Screen Actors Guild. And then I moved here to Atlanta uh, almost six years ago uh, to basically, you know, uh, seeing that there was a super thriving industry in the entertainment industry here in Atlanta um, to take, you know, take advantage of that and to, you know, really optimize my career. Um, I work as a producer independently with my own company, Newton Entertainment uh, Incorporated, which is DBA LA Reels. Um, and then I work as a producer for a studio in Silicon Valley right now doing uh, feature film length uh, social media series for an app called Real Short. And um, then I work as an actor uh, pretty regularly in TV and film. And, uh, and I, uh, you know, and, uh, for hobbies, I, I collect Bitcoin. So <laughs> that's the only hobby anyone really needs. I think. Right. I think so. I think so. Um, would folks recognize you from anything? Um, maybe, maybe, maybe in a couple months. Yes. Cause I have a couple really nice projects coming out. Nice. Um, uh, you know, but I, I was on the sh TV show, Naomi, um, I was on the TV show Glow, uh, season one, episode seven, as the asshole paramedic that said <laughs> said to one of the lead uh, wrestlers, "I said if you're worried about your heart, why don't you, you give Weight Watchers a try?" So I'm sure I'm sure some people will remember that. I, I um, remember that. <laughs> uh, most recently, oh great, great. Uh, most recently, um, I was on a Georgia Lottery commercial uh, where I was Barry and I had my own jet in the driveway. Um, so that that's been airing. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, us actors, we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're a man of many faces. So yeah. you may have seen me and not even known it was me, which is mo more like more, most likely. Not to mention so, anybody in the film world has to do a whole bunch of different things just to stay afloat, which is why you have, you know, companies like LA reels. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's funny too, like, you know, to press on that. Oh, Hey, look at that promo. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my, so my company, LA reels, um, basically it started, uh, as a short form narrative production company, producing content for actors to create a portfolio of work, uh, original content for actors to basically, um, shoot original scenes, you know, like there's an, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a catch 22 being an actor, right? Like you can't get work until you have a portfolio of demo reel content to show, but you can't get that unless you work. 
right? So, so, so we created, uh, back in the day, I had a business partner, um, who I murdered. No, I'm just kidding. We're still good friends. And, and he sold his half of the company to me. Um, but we started LA reels, you know, for actors that were in need of great footage to create opportunities for themselves. And we've created a ton of opportunities for actors and myself. Um, but that has turned into shooting and producing over 4,000 scenes in the last 13 years, um, shooting and producing a feature film. And then also, you know, the job that I do now, um, I'm literally since August, I'm on my eighth feature film with this company since August right now. So yeah. I wrap. Yeah. For those who don't know how crazy that is, generally speaking, a feature film is about 120 pages, 90 to 120 pages. And you shoot between three and maybe 10 pages a day. Um, and Brett is shot eight feature films in since August. What is it? Yeah. Six months, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. About that. That's yeah. insane. That's like Tyler Perry level insanity. Yeah, I agree. My brain is about to explode. Yeah, that's fair. So. Well, let's uh, let's start talking about Bitcoin. Um, first off, sure. like very few people are. Like, I think it's two percent of the world um, is into Bitcoin at this moment, um, and so it is still very early in the life of Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, what was it that first made you even consider like doing research on Bitcoin? Well, you know, so, so, okay, let's start when I recognized that Bitcoin existed and this mm -hmm. was probably like eight years ago and I had no interest in Bitcoin. Um, I didn't want, I didn't care about it. I didn't want to buy it. Um, I was work, I was still living in Los Angeles and I was working with a client, um, who uh, uh, he is a um, he, he he's a black hat for bankings what for a banking system um, what do you call that he's a cybersecurity expert gotcha. um, so he brought me and my team from Los Angeles up to uh, Las Vegas for uh, black hat and DefCon um, and what we were doing there uh, we were interviewing cybersecurity experts about AI. Um, which is another thing that I think people should definitely start learning about heavily right now too. Um, but then also uh, he was giving us insight about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And back then, I think, I mean, that was, that was, that was what, that was eight years ago. So that was 2015. So mm -hmm. I think Bitcoin was like three through 300 or maybe $600. I don't know, but I should have bought it then. You what, know, but, year, what year did you say? Uh, well, 2000, so eight years ago. So 2015, how much was Bitcoin in 2015? In March of 2015, it was 300 bucks. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> right. So, so that's when I first really like got a good whiff of it and saw people actually starting to get it and have it. And I was like, oh, okay. But you know, back then also, like I had no money, you know, like I was, uh, I was kind of like, I was, when did I get out of college? I was like five. Uh, I was like seven years out of college, and you know, mm -hmm. still like fucking around in LA. Can I swear on this? So, I can sure. okay. here. Hang on. There we go. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I'll let you know before I swear next time. Um, but basically, he brought us up to Black Hat and DefCon, and I mean, like, like first of all, he put us up in the Paris Hotel on a corner suite um, that was four thousand square foot. 
So like 4,000 square feet, like that's how big the suite was, right? Like I'll never, <laughs> I'll, I'll never look at Vegas in the same way ever. So that's where he put us up and that's where we did all the interviews. Yeah. We would go, we would go, we'd be outside the floor of like Black Hat and we'd talk, we'd walk up to a bunch of people and we'd say, hey, we're doing this documentary. Can we interview you? And then we'd pull a camera up and then like we'd be at like eight people and they'd all scatter in different directions. You know, <laughs> so a bunch of cybersecurity nerds, black hats, hackers, you know, you know, like right. literally at these places, you literally have the FBI there with your FBI jackets. And it's like FBI. They're like, we know you're here and we're here. Don't fuck around. You know, like that's how serious that was. Um, but we were interviewing all these cybersecurity experts that work for like the financial system and like big, mm -hmm. big companies. Um, and this guy used to walk around, you know, with a with a um, a sticker over his camera on his phone, you know, because he like and he told us he basically told us and this is good to know about security for your device. And I know I'm going a little offhand, um, but he basically told us anyone can hack into your device at any time if they have the means and the willpower, meaning so if they have enough money and if they really want to. So really everyone's device is totally hackable. And this is coming from a cybersecurity expert that was working in the banking system. Um, so anyway, he first introduced me to like, hey, people are, are like Bitcoin's a thing and like it's, it's worth some monetary value. And I totally disregarded that. I totally disregarded that um, for years. And then before I left LA, I had a good friend who had started trading in crypto and she was basically like, Focus on Ethereum and Bitcoin. Forget about all the other ones. Um, you know, I guess I understand this more now, but I guess you th Ethereum has some utility with smart contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And Bitcoin is the only real commodity of cryptocurrencies. Um, but anyway, I still didn't buy then. Um, and then I think COVID happened. You know, then I moved, I, you know, packed up, moved to Atlanta for the opportunity of milk and honey in the entertainment industry. Um, and then... Um, and then, uh, uh, and then I think it wasn't until COVID, and, and and I really was like, you know what, like, let me let me invest in some stuff. Um, so I, I did some stock market stuff. I did I did Bitcoin. I did Ethereum, um, and it was funny because I could afford I could at that time I could afford a full Ethereum, but I couldn't afford an entire Bitcoin because it was still at like it was like fifteen or sixteen thousand at that point. You know, and I was like, oh, I'm not just going to spend 16000 on that, blah, blah, blah. So I bought some of it. Um, and then and then I guess there was a big spike and I and I made and I made good money on it. And then there was a big drop, but I was still up, yeah. you know. But then during COVID, I really started doing research into the fiat, the fiat monetary system, the Federal Reserve mm -hmm. uh, and basically our entire base of what money really is. Um, I read a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, which is basically about the entire creation of fiat currency, you know, from like how iron makers, you know, who used to make safes were the first banks, essentially, where people would start store their valuables and bars of gold. And then that became, you know, basically pieces of receipts that people would write off to trade off to know that your value of gold was held in here, but you had a receipt. So people would trade those receipts as monetary stuff that turned into fiat currencies and people creating fiat currencies. We lost him. <laughs> I think his phone probably died. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Can you ah, I'm here? I'm here. My phone rang. My phone rang. Gosh. Sorry about that. It's all um, good. So, so, but, but if you look at, if you look at like basically what that book did for me was it made me realize that 
first of all, all the colonies that came that made up the United States, they all had their own fiat currencies. And the majority of those fiat currencies failed and they failed repeatedly. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't based on any monetary value whatsoever. Um, and then if you look at the history of the Federal Reserve, um, there were actually the, the Federal Reserve that we have now, which was I think it was created in 1917, uh, some some somewhere around there, 1913, some 1913. OK, there were two Federal Reserves before that. Yeah. Um, and 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 they were they were there to do the same exact thing. Um, the Federal Reserve was strategically named the Federal Reserve. It is not. It is neither federal nor it is a reserve. It's a privately held company, and it doesn't hold any money. It just prints money out of thin air. Um, you know, it used to print paper money, but now everything's just digital. You know, our entire accounting system and fiat U.S. dollars is all just digital anyway. Um, and they're trying to burn as much uh, as much paper money as possible because they want to know every single trade that happens. Um, um, but, but basically like realizing, you know, doing research into the federal reserve and fiat currency and learning where fiat currency came from in the history of it. And then also, uh, what our fiat dollar actually is, and then learning, having a better understanding of what inflation really is. Mm -hmm. And then also quantitative easing and quantitative, um, tightening, you know, where they, where the, where the federal reserve, um, prints money or they take money out of circulation. Um, you know, and learning that in the last, you know, and, you know, and this is a, a relative estimate, but in the last four to four years, we basically had one third of all U.S. fiat currency printed in ever in existence in the last four years. That means, you know, one third of your purchasing power is now gone. So if you were saving $100,000, that means in four years, you lost, you know, $33,000 of purchasing power in the mm -hmm. last four years because because our federal reserve is just printing money like crazy mm. um and i mean and and i mean like uh, and then if you start really looking at our uh, economics and like wall street and then just the way that money is created like every time a bank loans money you know there's you know that that money is recreated and then and then that money can be loaned and money and it's just it's insane it's absolutely mind-boggling and there's no real store of value. That's why, you know, you look at a house that was $100,000 five years ago is now a $300,000 house. That house didn't become more valuable. No, it's the purchasing power became worth less. Yeah, so exactly it, man. That's exactly it. Um, how would you, <laughs> would you advise people start with The Creature from Jekyll Island as far as reading goes? Or is that because I, I love that book, but that book is dense. That book is dense. I think I think the best way if people want to really like dive into that, get the um, get the uh, uh, the audiobook of Creature yeah. from Jekyll yeah. Island Audiobooks and just go on <laughs> go on long road trips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go drive around for a little while. Listen to that. You won't want to put it down. Like I, I've listened to it a few yeah, times now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think what's good, like when I go through long books like that, is like mm -hmm. if I listen to the audiobook and I have the book in front of me. I can highlight notes as I listen to it. Oh yeah. That's a good way to do it too. Yeah. Cause then you can just compile things. I know there's a new app now where I think it's for podcasts, but I think they have one for audiobooks as well, where it, you can have it digitally take notes for you as it, like you can hit a button and it'll take a note on what just was said. Um, so that's, that's an interesting way to do it as well. Um, what has been your biggest hurdle 
to to actually purchasing your first like to purchase your first purchase of bitcoin what was your biggest so I, th I think i was just very skeptical mm. um I, th I think I was just very skeptical of like linking my bank account to an exchange um, to, you know, f first it was that first it was that um, then finally, like I linked, I linked my bank account to an exchange. I, I was, I, I did Coinbase um, because that was the one that everyone like knew or whatever. It's super um, easy. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's once, once I figured out how to do it, it was super easy. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, and then once I got into, oh, hey, like, oh, this, this works like this, you know, for, I think for, I think I had crypto on Coinbase for, for, for a few years mm -hmm. um, until I really learned what a cold wallet was and what cold, really what cold storage was. And then, I mean, you helped me out a lot with that, to be honest, like we talked mm -hmm. a lot about this, like meet, meeting people like yourself um, and talking through it and under, having more understanding. And basically from what I've learned, to like basically correlating that with other people's thoughts and what they know and things just kind of like syncing up and being like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, really helped kind of solidify it and help me do even more research into it. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, obviously Michael Saylor is a huge person in the space to look at mm -hmm. and like kind of look at what he's doing. And, um, you know, um, Adam Hudson is a, is a, is a huge business entrepreneur, acquaintance of mine um he's an australian guy who like has had multi-million dollar businesses and he's totally pro bitcoin i started listening to like him saying stuff on social media and i was like dude if he's doing it let me even get more into it mm -hmm. you know um yeah what do you got there oh michael saylor yeah 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 i mean i think i think i like i i think everything i think a lot of stuff michael saylor has to say is like really good and people need to listen but i think because he is so big in the space, I think I think people almost see him as a false a false prophet, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so yeah, because he so he owns so much Bitcoin that if the price of Bitcoin goes up, he he is he profits from it. Um, and so yeah, well, like sure. him encouraging other people to buy Bitcoin can be very suspicious. But like it's it, that's why I think a lot of it's reliant on people like you and me who. Yes, we'll benefit from the price of Bitcoin going up, but we're not going to become like billionaires because of it. Like it'll it'll go up a little bit. We'll make yeah. a little money. But um, what we really want is other people to become financially free and independent from from all this inflation garbage that's happening with the Federal Reserve. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, I see I see it as a long term hold for me, yeah. you know, like like. Um, I, I see 10, 20 years and then I'll figure out what I want to do next with it. But I mean, mostly I'm looking at it as like a savings account for my daughter, you know, or like, or maybe, maybe in 10 years, like we'll have enough to take out of that or loan against it where we can have, you know, put a mortgage in on, on something larger to live in. You know what I mean? Right. But, but I see it as a long-term thing. So how, uh, so day-to-day -day people tend to think, I mean, day-to-day -day, Bitcoin's pretty volatile. The price goes up yeah. and down constantly. How is your mindset on the day-to-day -day when it comes to Bitcoin? My mindset is this. My mindset is understanding uh, Bitcoin as a store of value against fiat currency and the printing of money mm -hmm. and knowing that there will only ever be, knowing how Bitcoin is made 
and knowing how they're 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 it, it, it's deflationary in that once 21 million bitcoins are ever existing there will never be more bitcoin and knowing that every four years that the amount of bitcoin made is is split until you hit that 21 million mark so there's less and less so it's a deflationary currency mm -hmm. so just just by that and then and also knowing looking at the 15 year track record right seeing seeing uh the track record of bitcoin over 15 years um, seeing that I, I think, I think, you know, technically it's the best performing, uh, asset over a 15 year period in existence. Right. And it's outperforming the S and P 500, you know, and, and most people are not talking about it, but also now you see, now you see there's 12 ETFs that have just been approved in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, the sec, you know, the sec has just approved those and they're running through, uh, an exchange like Coinbase. Um, you know, so now you have the big boys playing in the space. You have, you know, BlackRock and uh, and Fidelity and all these companies now buying Bitcoin. So, you know, and they're putting, you know, you know, even if they put 0.5% of their portfolios into it, that's a massive amount of liquidity and money. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I mean, like some of them are aiming to do 1% you know, which is insane. Um, I think there's more and more people learning about Bitcoin and hearing about Bitcoin. And I think that's all it takes. And then, you know, you get people like you and I who are already invested in it. Like, I think there's not a week that goes by that I don't talk to someone about Bitcoin. And it's not because I'm trying to force a message, but it's because like, like I tell people this, I'm like, hey, like if you're willing to lose a thousand dollars, just take a thousand dollars and just buy some Bitcoin. Just take a thousand dollars and in 10 years, you'll, you'll make money. I promise, you know, I mean, and like, I say that very confidently. Mm -hmm. um, I don't look at it. I don't look at it as a, as a week to week thing. Now, sometimes like when, 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 when Bitcoin's bullish or bearish, you know, when it's bullish, of course I want to like look at it and see and get excited about it. But like, if I lost, if I lost half of the amount, if I lost 50% of, you know, what I have in Bitcoin right now, I wouldn't be worried about it because I'm not, I'm not taking it out in the short term. I, right. I'm looking at it in the long term. Um, I think, you know, I think Bitcoin has a definitive pattern with every halving. Um, if you look at the 15 year cycle and every halving, you'll mm -hmm. see relatively similar patterns. Um, whereas, you know, like you'll see, you'll see the price of Bitcoin, uh, you know, skyrocket and then come down, but it never goes down below a certain point and then it skyrockets and then comes down, um, you know, and, and the, the, the reality is now with, you know, with these um, huge financial investors coming into the market, you know, it, that, that stuff may change a little bit, but I don't like in terms of the pattern of how Bitcoin moves. Yeah. Um, because I mean, obviously they're, you know, they, they have such inflows of, of money. Um, but I think the more and more and more money uh, that comes in to the, you know, to Bitcoin into the network itself, I think mm -hmm. the less volatile it will be in the long run. Yeah. And uh, that, that's kind of how it's set up. And that's, that's kind of how um, economics works. Austrian economics works in general. It, it will it will automatically get less volatile over time the more people adopt it and the more it's treated like a currency, which I think is one of the biggest misconceptions with Bitcoin is people think of it more as an investment than a currency. Um, mm. I think that the 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 ways that people are going to be able to actually spend it in the very near future are going to shock people like you're going to be able to buy 
anything you want with Bitcoin rather than having to transfer it into your bank account and then go buy stuff with your credit card, debit card, check, whatever. Um, and so I think the more people understand that in the future, when the dollar continues to be inflated and go down in value, you're going to be able to buy the same. If you put $1,000 into Bitcoin, you're going to be able to buy a thousand more than $1,000 worth of stuff in the future um, with that Bitcoin, because the dollar will go down and Bitcoin will continue to go up. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, one of my biggest things that I try to convey to people is that it is a currency. You can buy things with it right now. Um, you can buy groceries with it. You can, we bought architectural plans for a house um, up in Montana. Like you can buy things with it. It's not, it's not this thing that you just invest like a stock market and, um, and you get a return later on, but you can actually spend it, um, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's meant what to is be a currency. What is the, what, how much was the pizza that was bought with how many Bitcoin? I think it, I think it was 10,000 Bitcoin. 10,000 Bitcoin for one pizza. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the first transaction. Uh, the, the first transaction was, um, was like, uh, was, was back when Bitcoin was like three cents or something. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was, yes, like the first pizza ever purchased with, uh, with Bitcoin. So 10,000 Bitcoin right now would be $500 million. $500 so um, the most expensive pizza ever. And yeah, that, that's another thing. Like people are very precious about the Bitcoin because they know it's going to go up. Um, those who hold it really, really hold it and don't like to spend it. But yeah, I much prefer to find other people who enjoy and who see Bitcoin for what it is and are willing to trade goods and services for a certain amount of Bitcoin. Now that, like, I, I tend to think that trading your Bitcoin based on what the dollar, uh, like dollar value is at this moment is idiotic because if you're in Bitcoin, you know, it's going to go up in value. So like trading based on the dollar is, is dumb. So I try to yeah. um, negotiate to the point where we're just talking in Satoshi's. And we're just talking in fractions of a Bitcoin rather than rather than talking in dollars. Um, what? Uh, so you said you're you're going to hold it for decades at, or a decade. At I think I, I think 10 years is the yeah. hold right now. And like and still purchasing little bits, you know, as much as I can. Obviously, you know, I got stuff I got to take care of, um, you know, with fiat currency. Um, but, um, but I, I think I want to, I'm going to continue just purchasing little bits and pieces here because, you know, I, I think it'll continue to go up. And I think, uh, yeah, like I think I'm looking at a 10 year plan right now and then potentially even, you know, 20 years, but you know, I want to see what the, what it does, you know, I, yeah. I, 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 I think it will be significant in, I think it will be significant in five years. You know, I think it'll yeah. be significant, very significant in 10 and even more so in 20. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like, I mean, like, here, 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 yeah, like here, here's the way, here's, here's the other thing that kind of sold me too, like the internet, right? The, the internet, like what became a real thing in 1982 or 84, sometime within the early eighties. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it wasn't really adopted until like early, like, like, you know, like real adoption in the, in the, in the U S or in the world until like 
late 90s, early 2000s, right? And and so like that's like what that's a 15 year bell curve for yeah. then it to just be just to multi then like the multiplier effect and now it's everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. right? And then basically, um, I think we are at that point with Bitcoin. I think I think you know it's it's one two percent worldwide adoption right now, um, and that two percent came very quickly because it was at one percent. It was struggling to get to one percent for like the past 14, 15 years, and now we're at two percent very quickly. So yeah. I think that worldwide adoption is going to happen even faster. And when that happens um, and when massive user users happen and, you know, then more people educate themselves on it, more people educate that is a, you know, it is a decentralized currency and mm-hmm. what it can actually do for the world. Um, that's when I think it's going to just skyrocket even more, you know? And Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like with all the, worldwide events right now with the wars going on with uh, BRICS forming um, yeah, people with other countries going off of the dollar. Um, you're just going to continue to see the purchasing power of your, of your fiat currency based on the United States dollar go down, which is an, actually another misnomer of, of Bitcoin. Like it, it isn't just that Bitcoin is going up. Like part of Bitcoin going up is the fact that the dollar is going down. Like uh, I I brought this up in my movie where uh, divide and dominate, where like if you look at gold based on the dollar, you see a gold chart like this. But if you look at the dollar based on gold, you just see gold because it's just flat. It just stays the same value the entire time. Um, And so I think we're we're lied to and tricked into believing that Bitcoin is far more volatile than it actually is where it's actually the yeah. dollar that's the volatile one um, that right. continues to go down in a very volatile way. So, um, yeah. What, and, uh, and, yeah, go for it. Oh, well, you know, what's crazy about gold is I think with this having a Bitcoin, I think um, uh, Bitcoin will actually be less inflationary than yeah. gold because, yeah. because right now, because, so gold is in it's inflationary in the fact that there's gold that is mined. There's a certain amount of gold that is mined and taken from the earth every year. Right. And like, there's only a certain amount of labor force that can do that and machines that can do that. So there's a rate at which gold inflates with additional gold being pumped into, you know, existence Um, with Bitcoin, the way, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, this with the way that mining happens and blocks happen every time, a miner creates a block and certifies it, they're mm-hmm. rewarded with Bitcoin. Yep. Now with the halving happening, um, I'm pretty sure that it will be, you know, happening in March, April. Um, it will now become less inflationary than gold, which is crazy. It's crazy. And it's pretty cool. And it's, it's going to help drive up the value of Bitcoin in the near future. Um, I don't know what that, what that price will be, but um, it will definitely be going up in April once once that happens. Um, what would be so? I know you said you talk you at least mentioned Bitcoin to like at least one person a week. What would be your if you were actually pitching to somebody and their life depended on adopting Bitcoin? What would you say? Um, your life depends on adopting Bitcoin, so do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that you know i need i need to work on my elevator pitch you know my my yeah. my my under 30 second pitch um there's there's so much mm-hmm. to learn and know about bitcoin i think i think the first thing is 
is, hey, you need to understand what fiat currency is. You need to understand what the Federal Reserve is. um, And you need to understand um, what the protocol of Bitcoin is and how it's decentralized and why. And start there. And then I think you will have a good understanding. Yeah. And there's a book that talks about that called The Fiat Standard, um, which there's also a book called The Bitcoin Standard. Um, These are very good resources to start with, in my opinion. Um, highly recommend starting with the fiat standard and then going over to the Bitcoin standard. I think it's down. The, what's who's the author? What's his name? The author of this? Uh, I can never pronounce it, man. Pronounce the, the fiat standard in the it's it's the same. Yeah, <laughs> Sephardine almost. Um, he he just did a um he just did a podcast with Lex Freeman. So, I love Lex Freeman. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so and it's. You know, like it's a good place. Like if you don't want to read the book yet, like listen to the podcast, listen, listen mm-hmm. to them on there um, and that'll start you. And and there are other companies um, like Shane Hazel, friend of the show. Um, he works for Swan Bitcoin, who is all about Bitcoin. No other crypto. Um, it's only Bitcoin all the time. They want to lead you down the path to financial freedom basically through through bitcoin and uh they're all about privacy they fight the government on on kyc which is know your customer laws which the government forces on things like exchanges and marketplaces and things like that where basically you have to give up your you know social security number or bank accounts or all this kind of just give them a ton of information so they can keep track of all the crypto that you're buying and selling and everything. So they know exactly how much to tax you. Um, and so Swan is a great resource for that because they, they're actively fighting against those laws, um, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, Brett, man, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, yeah, do you have anything yeah, else you want to say to the folks before we get out of here? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think we said a lot and I appreciate it. I, I do talk a lot. My wife tells me that. Um, and you tell me that too. So, um, no, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, 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 I think so. Thanks. Thanks for having me. If you need any content produced, check out lareels.com. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want advice on being an actor in the entertainment industry, you can find my contact info there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know, I know, I know I work in the very same industry that is the downfall of our (laughs) lives and planets. I know it's an oxymoron. (laughs) um but it gives me a much better understanding into it and Mm. the next podcast we do we'll talk about uh the manipulation of media we'll go from there sounds Sounds, (laughs) sounds great (laughs) all right brother we'll stick around after the credits and we'll chat for a minute but uh, everybody out there if you're interested in joining libertarian party of georgia go to lpgeorgia.com if you want to learn more about our organization um and if you want to learn more about bitcoin reach out to me reach out to swan bitcoin reach out to shane hazel um, don't reach out to Brett. Um, he didn't. He didn't know anything. Clearly, I'm still he, learning stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, actually, that is the one biggest thing. I think people are intimidated by how much there is to learn about Bitcoin because everybody, nobody has time to do anything, and so learning about Bitcoin is a super difficult thing to do. So, if you want to make it easier, reach out to somebody who knows Bitcoin. Yeah, I think I, real. I think Hope.com okay. is a good also, and yeah. Hope.com is a great place to just watch some videos. Hope.com. I've literally never heard of Hope.com. So there we go. Go to Hope.com. Learn more about Bitcoin. 
All right, y'all. Um, tune in to Liberty Libations every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Free Georgia podcast every Monday night at 8 p.m. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.